Welcome to this week's edition of Worcester Talking News, recorded on Thursday the 4th of August and brought to you by Worcester News and Equipment for the Blind and with permission of the Worcester News. I'm Pippa Curtis and the team this week, we've got a full team which is lovely. It comprises John Plush as recording engineer, Carol Hartle on copying and admin and our readers today are Catherine Neal. Hello. Phil Lee. Hello. And Jane Fays. Hello. I'd like to extend a warm welcome to any new listeners and hope you enjoy our recording today. As always, we will include, first of all, a list of useful telephone numbers, then what's on in the local theatres, etc., followed by the headline stories, a selection of general news stories, a little bit of sport, and then finishing up with the thought for the week, sunrise and sunset times, and, of course, the birthday file. If we don't have a record of your birthday and you'd like to be included, please do get in touch and we can add you to the file. Obituaries are now recorded after the closing music. We do like to hear from you, so if you have any comments or problems, a message can be left on the answer phone on 01905 767 766. Alternatively, just put a note in your wallet. And finally, the service is free to users, but if you'd like to make a donation... It can be sent to Colin Chance House, Wilds Lane, Worcester, WR5 1DA. So let's start this week, as we always do, with the telephone numbers, which today Phil's going to read. I am indeed. I'll start with the one that Pippa just gave you, the Wilds Lane number, which is 01905 767 766. And it adds, listeners should be aware, and I'm sure you probably are by now, this is not manned daily and need to be patient if a reply is required. Police non-emergency is 101. NHS Direct is 111. Out of hours medical assistance, 0300 123 3211. And that's between 6 and 8 p.m. Crime Stoppers is 0800 555 Worcester Hub is 01905 765 765. Worcestershire County Council here to help 01905 768053 and select option 3. Community Risk Team, that's the Fire Safety, 0800 032 1155. Domestic Abuse Helpline, 0800 980 Sense Adventures, Walking for Visually Impaired, that's D. Jones on 01684 891297 or 07920 144614. The email address is www.senseadventures.co.uk and that's all in small case letters. The Samaritans are 116123. Worcester Live is 01905 611427. And finally, Malvern Theatres are 01684 892277. Brilliant. Thanks, Phil. Um, and I now have some suggestions for what's on uh, over the summer. 
And I have started it by saying it is the summer holidays. And I thought I'd begin with just a few ideas for entertaining the children or grandchildren, if you have any. First up, and a free event, Worcester Cathedral is hosting family summer fun days throughout the summer holidays with exhibitions, trails, crafts and activities designed to keep young folk occupied. The cathedral has the added benefit of being a lovely cool space in which to retreat on hot days. Summer fun is also the theme at Worcester City Art Gallery and Museum, where every Thursday during the summer holidays, various activities from magical model making to designing your own book cover will be on offer for the cost of £4 per child. Or if castles are more your thing, then on Tuesdays, Wednesdays and Thursdays throughout August, Hartlebury Castle is inviting everyone across all ages to come and take part in various themed activities. Fancy dress is encouraged and there will be craft activities available for an additional cost of 250 per child. For more information, telephone 01299 250416. On to adult entertainment now. Did you know that Tom Jones is coming to Worcester? He's appearing at Pitchcroft on Saturday, August the 13th at 4pm. And when I checked yesterday, there were still a handful of tickets available. You can access the ticket office through the website premier.ticketek.co.uk. That's premier, P-R-E-M-I-E-R, dot ticketek, so that's T-I-C-K-E-T-E-K, dot co.uk. Also on the 13th, Pershaw is putting on a day of jazz from the 20s, 30s and 40s, performed by Keith Nichols Memorial Orchestra. Performances run from 2 to 5 and 7.45 to 10pm. Tickets are a pricey £50, but if you're interested, for more information, contact the number 8 box office on 01386 555 488. And last but not least, and a great deal cheaper, Oscar Wilde's play The Importance of Being Earnest is being performed by Morven Theatre's Young Company from Tuesday the 9th of August to Friday the 12th. Performances start at 7pm, there is a Wednesday matinee at 2pm, and all seats are just £5. I think that's very good value. So that's what's on. We'll now move to the headlines, which uh, Catherine will read us, and then straight into the headline news stories. Thank you. Okay, here are the headlines. Friday, July the 29th, a fridge fire strikes shop. Neighbours woken by smoke billowing from store. On Saturday, July the 30th, the headline was Digging in for Future, Breaking New Ground for City Regeneration. Monday, August the 1st, Paving the Way to the Future, Work Helping Change Face of City Centre. On Tuesday, August the 2nd, the headline was Getting to Grips with NHS Backlog. Sunak vows to tackle issues as ambulances queue outside City Hospital. Wednesday, August the 3rd, Up in Smoke. Fire crews battle fire at parched golf course. And Thursday, August the 4th, Lorry driver dies in crash. Four lorries in horrendous pileup. So I'll begin with the story from last Friday, July the 29th, Fridge Fire Strikes Shop. 
Neighbours rushed to wake each other as smoke poured from a convenience store in the early hours of the morning. People stood and watched as black smoke poured from the co-op store on Gresham Road, Dines Green, after a fridge caught fire. A resident of Gresham Road said how she was woken up by a neighbour and they rushed out to see what was happening. She said, My neighbour woke me up at 2am and we were stood outside watching it all unfold. There were three fire crews and the fire chief all here at the scene. All the people from the flats above were out watching it unfold as well. Yesterday morning, the door of the shop has been kept open and a line of red and white tape can be seen in front of the door, preventing shoppers from entering. Several shoppers could be seen walking toward the co-op before realising the store was closed. Three crews from Hereford and Worcester Fire and Rescue Service attended the scene in Gresham Road at about 1.31am yesterday. The area was filled with smoke after a refrigerator caught fire and there was fear that the smoke may have spread to flats above the shop. A spokesperson for the fire service said... We had three crews from Worcester attend the incident and on our arrival we discovered the property was thoroughly filled with smoke. The fire to the refrigerator was extinguished using a standard hose reel jet. We checked the above properties to ensure the smoke had not spread further. There were no casualties reported at the scene. A spokesperson for the co-op said... There was a small electrical fire in our Dines Green store earlier this morning and we would like to thank the fire service for the speed of their response. We apologise for any inconvenience caused during the store's temporary closure. We await the outcome of routine safety checks and will then look to reopen the store as soon as possible to serve the community. It's unknown how long the store will remain closed. Thanks, Catherine. Um, Saturday and Sunday's edition brought us a headline, Digging in for Future, First Steps in City Regeneration. And the article starts by quoting the phrase, the largest regeneration project in the history of Worcester. Now, I'm just thinking before I read this, what the Roman army would have to say about that. But I'm probably splitting hairs, so I'll read it properly. Here we go. The largest regeneration project in the history of Worcester is officially underway, bringing hundreds of jobs to the city when finished. A ground-cutting ceremony for Sheriff's Gate yesterday marked the start of a £150 million scheme to regenerate Shrub Hill. The development will bring hundreds of new apartments, including affordable housing, a hotel, gym, multi-storey car park, food and beverage outlets, a multi-screen cinema and 10-pin bowling to the city. When completed over the next three or four years, it is hoped that the phased project will transform nine million square feet of industrial land, creating jobs for local people and providing new opportunities, including apprenticeships. Dignitaries, including the Mayor of Worcester, Councillor Adrian Gregson, Councillor Jabba Riaz and Lynn Denham, attended the ceremony at Sheriff Street in Worcester on Friday. Stenard Harrison, Managing Director of Worcester-based Sheriff Gate Development, said the development would bring hundreds of permanent jobs to the city and, quote, massive injection of cash via shops, leisure activities and a 200-bed hotel. Born and bred in Worcester, Mr Harrison, 53, said he had continued the work of his father, whom he called an inspirational fellow. Mr Harrison, born in Southbank in Bath Road, Worcester, attended St Mary's Convent in Battenhall, Horford Lodge, now King's Horford, and the Sacred Heart College in Droitwich, so has deep roots in the city. He said, I've got Worcester running through my veins. I'm more passionate about Worcester than anyone you know. My passion for Worcester is second to none. This is the biggest project Worcester has ever seen. 
For many years, this part of Worcester hasn't looked the best. It will give a gateway and the front door to the city centre. Shrub Hill was included as one of the major areas for regeneration in the Worcester City Centre Master Plan, and we're delighted to bring this to fruition in partnership with the City Council planners. The finished development will include 486 Uh, apartments including two and three bedroom homes and it is believed around a thousand people will call it home once it's complete. During construction a peak of 250 people will be working on site. Noel Elliott, Managing Director UK of the Elliott Group, is responsible for making the project a reality. The next major step is to put up the precast concrete frame for the first 213 apartments on September the 28th. Most of the materials are locally sourced, he says, supporting businesses in the region. The investment in Sheriff's Gate, he continued, neighbourhood will regenerate the community as a place to live and work. Derek Bradstock, Managing Director of BBA Finance, who's helped organise finance for the project, described it as a mammoth task. But he added, it's hugely rewarding to see activity on site. Very exciting when things start rising out of the ground. It's an enormous project to pull together, but extremely exciting and extremely rewarding. The local project team is led by Scott Blackburn and Tom Powell. Councillor Riaz remembered the original planning application for redeveloping the site 12 or 13 years ago. He says the timing of the development could not be better for the city. He added, it's a happening place. It's changing and it's changing for the better. Thank you to everybody who has made it happen. The mayor said he hoped the project would be, quote, a really good catalyst for development, which takes us that step forward for Worcester. And this is the one for Monday the 1st of August, paving the way to a fresh look. The new paving work being carried out in Worcester city centre is taking shape. The transformation of the cross involves natural stone paving being laid under old tram shelters, part of a bigger scheme to improve Worcester for shoppers and visitors. This photo, shared by Worcester County Council, and that's a picture of the said tram shelters, shows the progress that has been made so far as part of the Future High Streets Fund scheme. A spokesperson from Worcestershire County Council's Highways and Travel said great progress has been made in the Cross Worcester on the future High Streets Fund scheme from August the 1st for up to eight weeks. The Cross will be closed from 10am to 6pm on Monday to Friday. There will be no access from Trinity Street to St Swithin Street and a temporary taxi rank is in place on Angel Street. The plan forms part of a raft of work still underway to improve the city for residents, shoppers and businesses and drive growth. The improvements were made as part of the government scheme to renew and reshape town centres and high streets in a way that drives growth, improves the experience and ensures future sustainability. Worcestershire's historic Scala Theatre will be converted into a new arts venue – and the former co-op building on Angel Street will undergo a major transformation. Worcester was awarded £17.9 million from the central government's Future High Streets Fund. The investment is set to transform the northern part of the city centre into a leisure, cultural, entertainment and residential quarter. And the headline for Tuesday, August the 2nd. 
Getting to Grips with NHS Backlog. Rishi Sunak MP has told the Worcester News his plans to stop queuing ambulances outside the city hospital's A&E department. The former Chancellor and Foreign Secretary Liz Truss are battling it out to be named the next PM after Boris Johnson resigned as leader of the Conservative Party. The campaign tour stopped at Conyga Farm in Quennington, Gloucestershire, where Mr Sunak greeted well-wishers and outlined his campaign to members of the public. When asked about his plan to fix the NHS backlog, after being told of long ambulance queues at Worcestershire Royal, Mr Sunak said he had a detailed plan in order. Last week, St John's resident Chalky Martin filmed a snaking queue of ambulances outside Worcestershire Royal Hospital's Accident and Emergency Department. We have also reported long wait times to be seen by a doctor at A&E, as well as delays in ambulances reaching patients. He said, Yes, there is certainly a plan. People saw me during the pandemic stand up very quickly and act radically to put policies in place to help the economy get through some very tough times. I will bring that same degree of urgency and radicalism and grip to all of our public services. I have put a detailed plan online about how to get to grips with the NHS backlogs because it's unacceptable that people are deprived of the treatment they need. He continued, My plan will ensure we can get the backlog down quicker. One of the things I have said today that I want to do is tackle missed appointments. Millions of appointments are missed every year and that is depriving people of the care that they desperately need. If we can reduce the number of missed appointments and be a bit tougher about it, we're going to free up doctors' time to help people and get the treatment they need. During Sunday's visit, Mr Sunak expressed his excitement for the afternoon's Euros final, correctly predicting an England win. He said, I'm doing six campaign stops today, but we've scheduled time to stop and watch some of the game. They've done an amazing job and I have seen firsthand how they have inspired the nation. Whatever happens, the legacy of this England team will be felt for years to come. Right, so the story on Wednesday, August the 3rd, was former golf course goes up in flames. All three of Worcester's fire engines were needed to fight a blaze which engulfed tinder dry grassland at a former golf course. Worcester's crews rushed to the blaze, which tore through 4,500 square metres of parched grassland at the summit of the old Toledine golf course, shortly before 8pm on Monday. At its height, the fire sent thick plumes of smoke billowing into the air, which were visible from across the city. Some residents of nearby roads feared the fire could spread to their homes, but praised the fire service for its quick response. West Mercia police say the source may have been one of the fire pits visible near the scorched earth left in the fire's devastating wake. Hereford and Worcester Fire and Rescue Service has yet to confirm a cause, which does remain under investigation. Yesterday morning, a large area of scorched earth covered the top of the old golf course, with residents praising the crews for their swift response. A spokesperson for Worcester Fire Station said the incident was just one of five incidents they dealt with last night alone, including three fires in the open and a car fire. Crews worked extremely hard for several hours to stop the fire spreading further.
We would urge everyone to be extremely careful at this time of year, with everything still being very dry, that can lead to small fires developing very quickly, said the spokesperson. The inferno also caused damage to what looks like a metal substation in the photograph in this article. Some residents said crews had difficulty gaining access initially because of ongoing work at the fairway, which experienced floods when workmen accidentally damaged a water main on June the 30th, sending a deluge of dirty water flowing down towards Tolodyne Road. One resident, who declined to be named, said, First we had the floods, then we had the fire. We're just waiting for the plague of locusts and keeping our eyes peeled for the four horsemen of the apocalypse. One mum said, to begin with, she thought the fire was just a barbecue or someone burning rubbish. She said, when they realised it was coming up from here, some youngsters came up to have a look and they came back saying, fire, it's serious. She said at first, firefighters came up with backpacks of water before they used a hose reel to put it out. Once the hoses came in, it was over. The firefighters did a brilliant job. Given how much smoke was here, I expected there to be more damage. They were very quick. They saved this old oak. You can see how the fire came within two metres of it, she said. The woman said she picked up her house insurance documents and put them by the back door just in case. My son had loaded the car. We were worried it could spread down the hill to the houses, she said. Firefighters remained at the scene through the night to check there were no hot spots which could have led to the fire taking hold again. A spokesperson for Hereford and Worcester Fire and Rescue Service said three Hereford and Worcester Fire and Rescue Service crews from Worcester Fire Station were called at 7.55pm on August the 1st to a fire in the open off Darwin Avenue, Worcester. Around 4,500 square metres of grassland and trees were on fire and this was brought under control using one hosereel jet, one main jet and multiple beaters. A reinspection took place at 2am using a thermal imaging camera and no hotspots were found, with the incident marked as closed at 2.37am. There were no casualties and police were also in attendance. And so to today, a very sad story. Lorry driver dies in crash, horrendous M5 collision. A 35-year-old lorry driver died in a crash on the M5 near Worcester yesterday. That's Wednesday. The driver from Western Supermare died at the scene following a four-lorry crash on the motorway at around 4.30am. It was one of two major crashes that saw the motorway closed for most of the day and police declare a major incident. The crash took place near Strencham Services between Junction 9, which is a Tewkesbury turn-off, and Junction 8. A 57-year-old man was taken to Queen Elizabeth Hospital in Birmingham with serious injuries and a number of other people were injured. A spokesperson from West Mercia Police said yesterday a major incident was declared following the fatal collision on the M5. The M5 northbound was closed between junctions 9 and 6, with substantial diesel spillage also reported across all three lanes of the motorway. It was reopened as the Worcester News went to press. Inspector Darren Godsell said... This was a horrendous collision which led to a man losing his life and a number of other people being injured, as well as causing serious traffic disruption for many others. Our thoughts are with the family and friends of the man who died and all those affected by the incident. We would like to thank drivers for their patience during the day, but advise that they continue to find alternative routes for their journeys. The man's next of kin have been informed.
A West Midlands ambulance service spokesman said, On arrival, we discovered a lorry driver who had suffered serious injuries. Sadly, it quickly became apparent nothing could be done and he was confirmed dead at the scene. Ambulance crews worked closely with fire and police colleagues to carefully cut a second lorry driver, a man, free from his vehicle, a process which took approximately 90 minutes. Following treatment at the scene for potentially serious injuries, he was transported to QEH Birmingham for further treatment. A lorry and a people carrier crashed in the same section of the road at 2.30. Six people from the car were hurt, with one person taken to Worcester Royal Hospital with potentially serious injuries. A driver and passenger were taken to Hereford County Hospital with injuries not believed to be serious. Three others were discharged at the scene. Police ask that anyone with information or dash cam footage of the fatal crash or any of the vehicles involved is asked to visit West Mercia Police, that's all one uh, word as it were, .co.uk, quoting incident 78 of the 3rd of August. Sex offences and attacks have reached a record high for Worcester during lockdown, with close to 1,000 reports in a year. The Office for National Statistics figures show that West Mercia Police recorded 954 sexual offences in South Worcester in the year to March, up from 707 the previous year, and the highest number since records began in 2003. The number of sexual offences reported to the force has increased significantly since that year, when eight crimes were logged. The senior detective from West Mercia Police said sexual offences increased during lockdown, but some of the increased reporting reflects people's confidence. Incidents will be investigated so that support will be offered to complainants. Detectives Chief Inspector Emma Whitworth, West Mercia Police's lead for rape and serious sexual offences, said... I want to make it absolutely clear that crimes of this nature have no place in our society and we are committed to thoroughly investigating any report of sexual offences. This is the first year without lockdown restrictions since the beginning of the pandemic, so it's not unsurprising to see an increase in the number of offences now being reported. We also believe that some of the increase reflects people's confidence in West Mercia Police to deal with these incidents and provide ongoing support and care to victims. We have robust multi-agency processes in place to manage and monitor sex offenders with a dedicated team working with partners to prevent re-offending. Supervisory support within the team has recently been increased to further strengthen these processes. Additionally, we have specially trained officers who work on rape and serious sexual offence cases and work closely with the Crown Prosecution Service on the Rape and Serious Sexual Offences Joint National Action Plan and further partners across Worcestershire, Herefordshire and Shropshire to ensure survivors receive the justice they deserve. Across England and Wales, 194,683 sexual offences were reported in 2021 to 2022, a 32% increase on the year prior and also a record high. Reported sexual offences have increased more than threefold in the last decade, 
through the impact of high-profile cases and campaigns on victims' willingness to report incidents. That is a factor, the ONS said. Rape Crisis warned that the number of recorded rape offences does not tell the entire story, as victims and survivors fear they won't be believed or taken seriously, and know that they are highly unlikely to ever see anyone charged. Record stalking and harassment offences also rose by 15% in the last year, from 630,000 to 720,000. Well, this article uh, could have actually been included in the What's On to some extent. Um, I think I mentioned Tom Jones appearing at Pitchcroft. Well, he is going to be part of the Worcester show and this article gives you a bit more detail. A marquee promising to bring fun Asian culture is coming to this year's Worcester show. The brightly decorated Mella marquee will offer an Asian bazaar, free craft activities for children, a henna artist cookery demonstrations and Asian food and drink. Anjali Fowler, the vice chair of the Worcester Mela Partnership, said, We're very much looking forward to welcoming visitors to our Mela Marquee at the show so they can join with us in a carnival atmosphere of colour, fun and celebration of South Asian style. Mela is all about bringing communities together in celebration and we're delighted to be part of this year's Worcester show. The Worcester Show takes place on Sunday, August the 14th at Pitchcroft Racecourse and will include 140 competition classes ranging from floral displays, fruit and vegetables and cookery to arts, crafts and photography. Other attractions will include a traditional merry-go-round, bouncy castles, face painting and a sports zone. There'll be a variety of food and drink on offer as well as an array of market stalls and independent stalls. Musical entertainment will be spread across two stages, with bands taking to the Tom Jones main stage and other acts appearing on the community stage. The show is delivered by Worcester City Council, supported by the Friends of Worcester Show, and for 2022 in partnership with Worcester Bid, Worcester Timber, Products and Chin Badger Media. To enter a class or to find out more about the event, Go to worcestershow.org.uk and that's all one word, Worcester Show, and it's lowercase. So there you go. Catherine? Right. And, in fact, this article does mention another event that's coming up in October. Two sisters will be holding a history night in Worcester to raise awareness of pulmonary fibrosis after tragically losing their mother to the disease. Louise and Jenny Doran lost their mother Anne at the age of 66 in 2020. Before her condition deteriorated, Anne was a magistrate and school governor while working as an NHS manager at the Royal Liverpool Hospital. Louise said she was so scared watching her mother's health get worse and is keen to raise as much awareness as possible about pulmonary fibrosis. The disease can scar a person's lungs and make breathing increasingly difficult. Mr. Rann explained, We've never been so scared caring for Mum with this awful disease. It was a traumatic experience for us all to see her so distressed. The disease desperately needs more research and fundraising for better diagnosis. The charity event, which will be held at the Hive this autumn, will see an organised talk with best-selling author and historian Alison Weir on her second book, 
Anne Boleyn, A King's Obsession. There will also be a Tudor Legacies reenactment group and raffle prizes. All money raised from the event on October the 21st from 6pm to 8pm will go towards the charity Action for Pulmonary Fibrosis. Tea and coffee is also included. For more information and to buy a ticket for £8, visit the Just Giving page at www.justgiving.com forward slash fundraising forward slash Queen Anne Boleyn. That's all one word, Queen Anne Boleyn. Right, we move on. New store sign gaff. That's gaff with an E. A new bargain supermarket is opening in Worcester this month, but signs outside mistakenly refer to the store being in Droitwich. The finishing touches are being added to the city's new Lidl store, which is due to open on Thursday, August the 11th. It'll be the city's third Lidl supermarket, the company having already opened stores in Blackpool and Newtown Road. However, advertising signs outside the new store have caused confusion because they refer to Lidl being big on Droitwich, even though the store is in Worcester. It seems the mistake may have been made as it's opening on Droitwich Road in Worcester. The new store, which is still behind a chain-link fence, has had all the parking bays painted and the pedestrian crossing signs marked out. The distinctive external signs have also been fitted and even shopping trolleys are arranged neatly outside, ready for staff to welcome the first customers. By the time we went to press, Little had not responded to inquiries about the error on the sign or for any fresh information about the development. Developers behind the supermarket had previously confirmed that construction work has now been completed. Andrew Fisher, Managing Director of Ashfield Land, said in May the building work has been completed. It was finished a month ago. Around 40 full and part-time jobs are understood to have been created. Contractor Benjamin Construction moved on to the site on the car park of JVC Castings, Worcester, in June 2021. The work has involved demolishing a small underused part of the casting specialist's factory and moving the staff car park to the side to make way for the new supermarket. The site received planning permission from Worcester City Council in 2020. Pub landlord fears he will lose up to 60% of trade during some of the busiest weeks of the year because of a road closure. Roadworks on the B4424 Upton Road be closed for over a month with it pencilled to reopen on Friday, September the 2nd. Matt Williams, who has owned the old bush for the last eight years, said he's lost 60% of his custom since the roadwork started. Road closure signs were put up earlier this week in order for workers to replace a gas main. Mr Williams, who's worked in hospitality since 1990, said, It's a mess. I understand they have to do the work, but the signs are misleading. You can't drive in into Callow End from any direction, and you can't access the area unless you're a homeowner. So that means a lot of my customers aren't coming in. The 61-year-old said he hoped the road closure would end before September. We're a family pub, and the next six weeks are one of our busiest times of the year because it's the summer holidays, he said. It's not good. This is the time of year we make our money. We have a play park that is currently empty right now. Mr Williams has contacted the local MP Harriet Baldwin and Councillor Tom Wells in the hopes they can help him over the next few weeks. 
He hopes they will put up signs to let people know his business is still open. The pub hit the headlines in 2018 after a mooning garden gnome made an appearance outside the pub and sparked a mystery invasion of ornaments. When the derriere flashing figure was left outside the old bush in Calloend a month ago, its landlords never believed it would cause a rush of gnomes descending on their pub. In that time, more than 25 gnomes have been placed opposite the pub and sent through the post, perplexing owners Matt and Karen Williams. Mr Williams said the first gnome appeared overnight. I've got no idea who put it there. I went out and fetched a couple more gnomes myself just to make sure he wasn't on his own. And then suddenly, all these gnomes started appearing. People were putting gnomes out on the grass and then we were getting some sent through the post. They're still coming through now. I've honestly got no idea who's sending them or where they're coming from. His wife Karen said, I love it. I think it's really funny and a great laugh. It's nice to have them all outside. <coughs> that was very entertaining, Jane. Um, I think we're just envious that you get the funny stories. Right, seven hits low levels. Parts of the River Seven are so low with water that you can see the riverbed. A Worcester news journalist visited the River Seven near Worcester Bridge yesterday and managed to capture images which show the riverbed from the banks of the water. On Bromwich Parade, adjacent to Worcestershire County Cricket Club and Worcester Bridge, the rocky riverbed could clearly be seen. The water level was also low enough to make out discarded mugs which had been thrown into the river. The low river levels have recently been warned by the Environmental Agency, who shared that they were recently in the nearby city of Gloucester, recording the water levels there. A spokesperson shared on Twitter, This year's warm temperatures and dry weather have led to exceptionally low river flows. Yesterday we attended the River Twiver in Gloucester after receiving reports of dried sections. No dead fish were found. If you spot an environmental incident, you can call the 24-7 hotline on 0800 807 060. The recent heatwave has caused low water levels in ponds and wildlife experts have warned that some species could be at risk after the record-breaking hot temperatures. The Met Office has predicted very hot spells in August. The long-term forecast detailing the weather outlook from August the 9th to the 23rd, says temperatures remain generally above normal across the south with some potentially hot spells while remaining closer to average in the north. Right. Budding readers can now pick their favourite books in the sunshine thanks to a new, unique shed. Pupils at St George's C of E Primary School in Worcester are making the most of its new reading shed packed full of books. Members of the school's book club even had a book picnic in the playground garden and read books together. Worcester Timber Products donated the new reading shed and the outdoor book storage, while the books have been stocked with a £100 donation from Nickel & Co estate agents. Claire Martin, class teacher and deputy head, said reading lies at the heart of all we do at St George's. Books open up a world of opportunities for children to explore their own identity and that of others, whilst enriching their vocabulary and increasing their imagination and creativity. 
Reading has an impact on every single subject. The Reading Shed will allow this to continue throughout the break and lunch times. We're so grateful to Worcester Timber Products and Nickel & Co for their generosity. Book Club volunteer Helen McKinnon said, It's been brilliant to see the children so enthused and engaged with reading. They're keen to discover new books and share favourites with their friends. Their excitement is infectious. We had 16 children at our first book club and now we have 30. We really want to encourage reading for pleasure at St George's C of E as it can have such an impact on children's well-being and empathy. Research shows that children who choose to read are likely to be happier, healthier and do better at school. By promoting reading throughout the school, encouraging this excitement about books and introducing children to a wider variety of reading material, we hope to help all the children at St George's C of E find books they love to read. Leon Hopkins, Managing Director of Worcester Timber Products, added, Worcester Timber Products are really pleased to be able to support St George's C of E Primary School. Reading is so important and we're glad to hear that the school's pupils are passionate about it. We hope the new reading shed will help even more pupils enjoy reading. Green Plan for Land Site. Land near Worcester, which was controversially bought by a council for £180,000, will be used for environmental purposes. Malvern Hills District Council announced this week the 45 acres of land it bought near Hallow in 2020 will be used to help it meet its environmental aims. At the time the land was bought, questions were raised over why that particular area of land was chosen, the process through which it was bought, and whether it was useful or not. Now, two years later, the council has revealed it will be embarking on a project to restore the land to a species-rich flood meadow. This will feature scarce and important habitats, including wet woodland and fen. Working with a local group from the RSPB, the project will aim to improve all biodiversity of the site and specific habitats, which could provide a sanctuary for vulnerable meadow plants such as snakes, head fritillary and mammals, including several bat species. Alistair Pounder, the Council's recently appointed Biodiversity Project Officer, will focus on the regeneration of the site to create a species-rich meadow of grasses and wildflowers, improving the soil and floodplain meadow through careful livestock grazing and a hay cut in late summer. He said, the council's investment in land at Hallow demonstrated foresight in a changing environment. It provides the opportunity to restore and conserve precious habitats for wildlife and people in the district while contributing to climate resilience through carbon capture, improving water quality and alleviating flooding. At the time the land was bought, Conservative councillor Paul Cumming asked then-leader councillor Sarah Rouse about the decision. Councillor Cumming also asked the council to confirm exactly when the land was bought. A council report prepared about the land said 45.47 acres of land was bought at £4,289 per acre. This arrived then at the total of £180,000 spent altogether. According to the council, this was, quote, well below the market value and was exceptional value for money. Options discussed at the committee meeting in 2020 included using it as part of a natural burial ground and a nature reserve, although the burial ground idea was dismissed as the land sits on a floodplain. And this is about a rabbit flat plan cleared. Empty offices in the city centre are to be converted into new flats, despite 
being described as cramped rabbit hutches. Worcester City Council's planning committee approved an application to turn the upper floors of the listed Victoria House in Forgate Street into 14 flats. The plan was criticised by former planning chair, Councillor Alan Amos, who criticised the council for going down the wrong road and allowing developers to plaster the city centre with rabbit hutches with no amenities. Every time we have a vacant property in the city centre, which may have been offices or former shops, we're going to have an application for residential, he said, during a planning meeting in the Guildhall. We need to face this issue head on now. This will be used as a precedent for future ones, because if this is acceptable, then all the others will be. The size of these apartments is tiny. We have now got 23 bedrooms in total, so that could be a total of 46 people. This development and all future ones like it are not sustainable. We're going to destroy the city if we keep going on like this, he added. Councillor Jenny Barnes said she was disappointed to see work had already started on converting the flats before the committee had made the decision and criticised the lack of outdoor space for future tenants. Councillor Marjorie Bissett said converting former office space into housing was a good move, but the apartments looked dreadfully cramped. Andrew Thompson, the council's interim head of development manager, said all of the apartments met space standards and councils were being encouraged by the government to convert vacant office space into apartments. Planning Chair Councillor Chris Mitchell said the committee needed to be cognisant of young people having different needs, requirements and expectations, suggesting that many 18-year-olds would want to live opposite pubs, a supermarket and a train station. So I'm including this article because I'm sure over the last few years there have been occasionally... um, the blogs read by or written by the Reverend David Southall have been read out. Uh, And this article tells us that it's going to be his last one. So this is my last chaplain's blog. It all started eight years ago and I've been writing weekly since then. Over that time, I have sought to provide the positive news about our hospitals in the face of a sometimes torrent of negativity. I've spoken about the great work that our hospitals do about the magnificent individuals who go above and beyond their duty in order to sort us out when things go wrong. And in between times, I have been able to write about the birth of my grandchildren in the NHS, about my passion for the deaf community and their challenges. And at times, I have been able to shine a light on things that have not been as good as they might have been. It has been a great privilege to have been given a forum by our Worcester News to say whatever I wanted without fear or favour. Sometimes I've been in trouble for speaking out. Sometimes I've been wrong. But each time I have done it with the best intentions. And to top it all, I have written during the COVID-19 times, probably the most challenging period that the NHS has ever undergone, with huge loss of life and national mourning. Through all this, I've had wonderful letters of support from you, the readers of the blog, to let me know your news and thoughts on what I have written. So thank you. But all things come to an end, and the blog is no exception. 
It has been a huge privilege to give you some insight into the life of the hospital and of chaplaincy during these years. But the blog has reached the end of its life and it is time for me to move on to new things. I wish you well and now sign off the chaplain's blog. And there's an addendum which says, Here at the Worcester News we have thoroughly enjoyed working alongside Rev Southall and sharing his weekly blog as part of our community news. Rev Southall has been one of our longest-running contributors who's relayed messages of hope, support and compassion during difficult times. We thank you, Reverend Southall, for your dedication and enthusiasm in keeping us at the heart of your community. Mm. Very nice. Right. A city councillor who opened her home to Ukrainian refugees has criticised the Home Office for its patchy and totally inadequate support. Councillor Jenny Barnes said she was left stunned by the gap in organisation between local councils and the government after signing up for its Homes for Ukraine scheme in March. Councillor Barnes, who represents the Arboretum Ward on Worcester City Council, praised services in the county for supporting the Ukrainian refugees once they'd arrived. However, she had harsh words for the government, saying the process was hampered by indifference and lack of organisation. The process to bring the two Ukrainian refugees to Worcester was far from simple, according to Councillor Barnes, with one half of the joint application receiving a response in under a fortnight, with the other ignored completely. It was only after a member of City MP Robin Walker's staff queued three times at the Home Office that the paperwork was finally finished weeks later. The same delays were experienced in applications for biometric IDs, to allow for the Ukrainians to stay for up to three years, with one ID arriving immediately and another not arriving for weeks. I think the county and city councils have done a good job, she said. County organised DBS checks and free bus passes, while city has arranged the home visits, welfare and welcome money for new arrivals. The city council is also working with local volunteers to create a formal support network, including language classes, legal advice and support in finding employment. Local and national charities have also stepped up with support such as phone cards. Despite home office mismanagement, it's been a very enriching experience, trying enriching, trying excellently cooked Ukrainian food and sharing their hopes and fears. Our guests are an important part of our family now. A government spokesperson said, Applications are usually processed in the order they're received, but cases vary in complexity, and it's right that we have robust safeguarding checks in place to ensure the safety of Ukrainians arriving in the UK. We continue to work with councils on the delivery of the scheme, giving them £10,500 per Ukrainian guest to provide wraparound support and help families rebuild their lives here. A story from Wednesday's edition of the paper, Teacher's New Role. A staff member at a Worcester primary school has been appointed as a national subject advisor. Matt Warne, Head of Computing and Digital Learning at RGS The Grange, has been appointed the Independent Association of Prep Schools National Subject Advisor for Computing, Curriculum Design and Digital Innovation. Mr Warne, who has been teaching at RGS for seven years now, will take on this new advisory role from September. The Independent Association of Prep Schools is an association with over 660 leading prep schools from around the world. Mr Warne said... 
being appointed National Computing Advisor for Computing has capped off another fantastic year at RGS. I applied for the role with my primary goal of supporting the computing community across the UK to ensure that a high-quality computing curriculum is a statutory offering, having seen the difference it makes to our pupils at RGS The Grange. On a personal note, having the ability to connect with over 600 independent prep schools in the UK and leading the subject in this, leading the support in this fascinating subject is an honour. I will work hard to make my mark and offer the support needed. John Jones, Director of Innovation at the RGS Worcester Family of Schools, welcomed the appointment. He said, Matt has inspired pupils and staff at RGS The Grange for a number of years with an innovative approach to computing and digital learning and I look forward to seeing him inspire many more in his new role. A spokesperson from RGS The Grange added, Member schools must reach a very high standard, meeting rigorous criteria on teaching a broad curriculum, maintaining excellent standards of pastoral care, and keeping staff members' professional development and training up to date. Now, this next story is about the lionesses who lift pubs to a big weekend. Fans flocked to the pubs to watch as England won the European Championship. Serena Weigmann's Lionesses beat Germany 2-1 in the final of the prestigious tournament on Sunday evening. More than 17 million people tuned in to the historic occasion, with many more heading to the pub to watch with friends and family. The Brewers' Arms in St John's was expecting a big crowd after seeing momentum build as the tournament went on, and Sunday's showing did not disappoint. Landlord Mark Daniels said it was a great day with a fantastic turnout. We would like to send our loyal customers a big thank you for sharing the day with us. It makes it all worthwhile. Congratulations to the Lionesses of England. They've brought pride back to England in what is a very unsure future for the nation. There were similarly jubilant scenes at the Anchor Pub and Kitchen on Diglas Road. Manager Aaron Lawrence Burry said it was packed. It was a really good showing. Family and friends had a great time and what a fantastic result. It was not just in Worcester where crowds enjoyed watching Serena Weigmann's side bring football home. Staff at the Valkyrie in Evesham said, We didn't get a big turnout, but those that did attend very much made up for it. The uproar when the final whistle blew and the Lionesses had won the game was phenomenal. The game broke attendance records with the 87,192 crowd at Wembley Stadium, making it the biggest crowd of any men's or women's UEFA European Championship match. Records were also shattered on the box, with a final attracting a peak of 17.4 million, the most for a women's football match in the UK, according to overnight ratings released by the BBC. The previous record was set during England's 2019 World Cup semi-final defeat by the United States, which enjoyed a peak audience of 11.7 million. County MP Nigel Huddleston was among the many to heap praises on the Lionesses. The sports minister said it was incredible to be there at Wembley last night for the final and see the Lionesses soar to a magnificent victory. England's women's first major trophy and the first major trophy for an England senior team in 56 years. A first-year student at the University of Worcester 
has designed a special pin badge to be given to all those graduating from the university's three counties School of Nursing and Midwifery. Hannah Williams, who joined Worcester's adult nursing programme in September 2021, won a competition run by the course Lecturers. It used to be a tradition in nursing to receive a hospital badge on qualification. Staff at Worcester wanted to resurrect this tradition to promote a sense of belonging and give students a memento of studying at Worcester. Hannah's design, featuring the three counties of Herefordshire, Gloucestershire and Worcestershire, was selected and has now been turned into badges that will be given to all nursing students at graduation. I was so thrilled to have my design chosen, said 21-year-old Hannah from Stourbridge. I saw this as an opportunity to create a representation of an important stage of my life and career, and I wanted to be a part of creating something that everyone is proud to wear. Hannah said she wanted to become a nurse after witnessing the care given to her late grandfather in 2019. She hopes her badge will be worn with pride by her peers as they graduate and go out into the workforce. A local animal rights group staged a protest outside the Guildhall in Worcester. Supporters of Animal Aid and members of Worcestershire Vegans and Veggies staged the demonstration opposing any money from Worcester City Council's bid to the Leveling Up Fund going towards horse racing at Worcester Racecourse. The protesters could be seen with signs which read No Fun for Horses and Horses Die at Races and an installation was in front of the protest which appeared to show a representation of a dead horse. The group also spoke at the meeting of Worcester City Council's Policy and Resources Committee, voicing their concern over cruelty in the sport of horse racing. The group also asked the council to invest in more progressive local initiatives instead of Worcester Racecourse. A spokesperson from Worcestershire Vegans and Veggies said, last year five horses died on the course, with two more deaths this year so far. Supporters leafleted the general public and councillors going into the meeting to inform them about the deaths of racehorses and what happens during racing, both on the flat and over jumps, where using the whip is still allowed, despite evidence from studies that horses feel as much pain as humans from being whipped, and it does not enhance safety on the course. We got a lot of interest, and people who signed a petition to the Leveling Up Fund asked them not to provide funds for Worcester races. The horses who died last year and in the first part of this year at Worcester were all named and their ages were given all for for profit and our entertainment. Lives are being taken far too young. The group previously staged a protest outside Worcester Racecourse itself in June when the Family Fun Day was taking place. The protesters could be seen holding signs which say stop the suffering against cruelty to animals and dealers in death. Worcester City Council declined to comment on the protest and we have contacted Worcester Racecourse for more but so far there's been no reply. Right, a story about a band. Hospital to music deal. A hospital worker turned psychedelic frontman has signed for an agency alongside some world-famous bands. Glenn Smith works by day at Worcestershire Royal Hospital, but by night is the frontman for psychedelic rock band Solar Eyes. 
the clinical coding manager with Worcestershire Acute Hospitals, was noticed via radio plays on BBC Six Music by Steve Lamack. The band has just signed to booking agency ITB, which also represents giants like Aerosmith, Bob Dylan, Guns N' Roses, Kasabian and Maroon 5. Following the success of their debut EP, Dreaming of the Moon, Solar Eyes have also signed with Fierce Panda Records, the record label which released Coldplay's debut single, as well as records for Keen, Ash and Supergrass. Topping off a busy summer, the band returned with their new single Alcatraz on Friday, taken from their upcoming EP of the same name, to be released on October the 28th. Vocalist and guitarist Mr Smith is joined by fellow Brummies Tom Ford and Seb Maynard Francis, who have booked their biggest booking yet at next year's internationally renowned South by Southwest Festival in Austin, Texas. Mr Smith said, It's all a bit mad, really. We've only done one gig so far. I sent our songs to Gavin Maud, who has been Coldplay's long-term music lawyer, and he sent it to a couple of people who've just come on board, and it's just snowballed from there. In lockdown, I started recording some stuff in my loft during that boiling hot period, so the tunes would be sizzling as I recorded them. Then I was just going to car boot sales and buying old vintage pedals, and we went from there. It sort of feels like fate a little bit, like we're on this journey and everyone can come along for the ride. But are your smoke alarms working? Do you have enough smoke alarms and do they work? Summer heatwave is an ideal time to check. Smoke alarm purchasing is the National Fire Chief Council's theme of the month for August, so there's no better time to check yours are up to date and in perfect working order. We are therefore reminding people to make sure they fit smoke alarms on every level of their home and to test them regularly. It only takes a few seconds and saves lives. This is especially important in view of the current high temperatures. The large number of fires in our area during the heat wave and the risks to people's homes. Fire statistics reveal that one smoke alarm may not be enough to provide you with the best chance of escaping a fire in the home, while research shows that only 26% of all households who own an alarm test them on a regular basis. It's clear that most people know a working smoke alarm can save lives by providing those vital few seconds needed to escape a fire in the home. But despite the majority of homes nationally more than 90% having at least one working smoke alarm, smoke alarms only alerted householders to well under half of all fires in the home in England. Smoke alarms failed to activate most commonly because the fires were outside their range. The service is asking people to take on board the smoke alarm top tips. Install at least one smoke alarm on every level of your home. Fit your smoke alarms in the right place. The ideal position is on the ceiling, in the middle of a room, or on the hallway or landing. Consider fitting additional alarms in other rooms where there are electrical appliances and near sleeping areas. Don't put smoke alarms in or near kitchens and bathrooms where smoke or steam can set them off by accident. Test each of your alarms by pushing the button every week. Why not test it on Tuesday? If you wear a hearing aid, can you hear the alarms when you're not wearing the hearing aid, e.g. at night? 
Replace your smoke alarms every 10 years. HWFRS is also urging carers and people who keep a close eye on less able relatives to check that these homes have enough smoke alarms and that they are in the right places too. Please don't ignore a neighbour's bleeping smoke alarm. It could well be a real fire and they might not have heard it. For more information, see https campaign.gov.uk. Contact the prevention team on 0800 032 1155 to see if they might qualify for a free smoke fire safety visit. You can also complete a free online home fire safety check now by following the link on our website. This easy-to-follow home fire safety check will take you through your home one room at a time and simple questions will help you spot fire risks as you go round your home. Further safety advice can be found at www.hwfire.org.uk. An increase in distraction burglaries has prompted a warning from West Mercia Police. The Safer Neighbourhood team for Arboretum and Clanes are urging people to be vigilant after an increase in distraction burglaries in the city centre and cold callers at doors. According to the police, there are some simple but effective measures you can take to minimise risk and deal with cold callers at the doorstep. Check who knocks on your door before answering, using a window or peephole. If it's not someone you know and trust, do not open the door. Tell unexpected business callers to leave and come back later at an agreed time when you can have someone else with you. Check credentials by calling the organisation they claim to represent. Report suspicious activity to the police, no matter how small it may seem. Police are asking residents to share these tips with any older or vulnerable family, friends or neighbours. If you ever have information about distraction burglaries, you can let us know using the online Tell Us About form on www.westmercia.police.uk, all lowercase. If you aren't comfortable contacting the police directly, you can pass on information anonymously to the independent charity Crime Stoppers by calling 0800 555 111 or by visiting their website www.crimestoppers-uk.org Right. Riverside homeowners suffering from repeated flooding could benefit from dedicated government funding. The frequently flooded allowance is aiming to support small communities trying to get back on their feet after flood damage. Funding is available for communities with 10 or more properties that have flooded twice or more in the last 10 years. Flood campaigner Mary Longdonow said the previous way funding was allocated to suffering communities was not fair or right. Mrs Donow said there are small communities that regularly get flooded, but because there aren't as many houses along the River Severn, they would receive less funding. The flood campaigner added the funding is great news for communities along the River Severn that have been flooded four times in the past four years. She said the amount of funding would be in conjunction with how many homes had been flooded. She said the community along the River Severn 
There are fewer houses to protect, so they have received less funding. It wasn't taken into consideration how often those properties were being flooded along the River Severn because the community is small. But along the River Severn, they have been flooded four times in four years. She continued, It's good news because communities at regular risk of flooding were given flooding. Many properties across the River Severn flood across the River Severn flood regularly. This is something I've been asking for since the 2007 floods. I think the previous funding formula wasn't right or fair, so this is a good move. The Alliance hopes to give around 80 schemes funding over the next four years, and communities will be selected through an environment agency's process to identify schemes that can benefit the most. George Eustace, the Environment Secretary, said... Flooding is a miserable experience, especially for people who suffer its impacts time and again, and I feel we have a moral imperative to help. Our new frequently flooded allowance will boost schemes in areas which are hit repeatedly and reduce the risk of flooding in the future. This new allowance will provide extra support for these areas and forms part of our major £5.2 billion effort to build around 2,000 flood schemes by 2027 and level up defences across the country. OK, now a story from Monday's edition, Rescue Hero Nominated. A man who helped save a boy from drowning in Worcester has been nominated for a bravery award. Jamie Bryan, a student nurse, believes his actions in pulling the young boy out of the River Severn near Diglis were, quote, no big deal, and that he was merely in the right place at the right time. But his friend Jason Hall begs to differ, nominating him for a gallantry award. Types of gallantry award which depend on the circumstances and the extent of risk include the George Cross, the George Medal, Queen's Gallantry Medal and Queen's Commendation. Mr Hall has emailed the Honours and Appointments Secretariat with details of Mr Bryan's actions on the day. Mr Hall said, Most important is that Jamie acted promptly and saved the young boy's life. The young boy's guardian was not observing the child and it was very fortunate that Jamie was there to save him from drowning. The 21-year-old of King Edmund Square off Moore Street, Worcester, was feeding the ducks on steps leading down to the river when he heard screeching brakes. Mr Bryan, a student nurse at the University of Worcester, turned to see the boy, aged between seven and nine, fall over and slide into the water down an estimated 12-foot drop. He said at the time it was kind of surreal and it seemed to happen in slow motion. I think he rode the bike off the bank and he and his bike tumbled into the seven. He came off his bike and was falling with it. Mr Bryan said it took some effort to lift the boy out of the river before carrying him to a bench, which he said left him exhausted. Mr Bryan later insisted that the rescue was a big team effort. He said... I don't see myself as a hero. I think the woman who was sitting with the child while I tried to find his uncle was the real hero. This is about a huge dam being cleared near Poet Bridge. A boat crew and heavy-duty tractor with a winch worked round the clock to clear a massive dam of dead wood clogging up a river near the historic bridge. The colossal mounds of driftwood including whole tree trunks, had been choking up the river team near the medieval poic Old Bridge for around five months, according to one fisherman. However, work to clear the island of rotting wood was launched in earnest this Tuesday and continued apace on Wednesday. 
The Environment Agency said the work will improve the river's flow and reduce flood risk for nearby communities for the autumn and winter months ahead. The two-man boat crew coordinated the operation from the water fitting the winch. Barry Kilner, response lead for the Environment Agency, said they were having a Battle of Poet Bridge removing the blockage, a reference to the famous Civil War skirmish fought here in the mid-17th century. He said they're winching material out using an Environment Agency 15-tonne winch tractor. The team members in the boat are there to connect the winch rope to the debris. Works are still ongoing, so no estimate has yet been reached on the overall weight of the wood. He said this was a regular task required as part of recovery from flooding. The bridge was the site of a first skirmish of the English Civil War, as tensions boiled over between King Charles I and Parliament. For many, the bridge is an enduring symbol of the city's rich Civil War heritage during one of the bloodiest chapters in English and British history. A fisherman who lives nearby raised concerns that the build-up of debris was so bad that salmon could not get up the river to spawn, with the problem getting steadily worse over the last five months. And as we approach the as we approach the 380th anniversary of the Battle of Poet Bridge, there have also been concerns that the Grade One listed bridge should look its best as the city marks the milestone. Thank you, Jane. Well, that concludes the general news stories for the week. Um, otherwise, we won't have time for anything else. So I will. I'll start the sport. I think this week uh, we've all got one story each. And this first one is about football. So, um, Raiders are ready, is the headline. Worcester Raiders boss Carl Gormley insists his side are not there to make up the numbers, ahead of the club's first ever game at Step 5. Their 2022-23 Hellenic League Premier campaign kicks off with a trip to Fairford Town as the non-league season gets back underway this week. Gormley's side missed out on promotion from Division 1 via the conventional playoff route after losing the final. But a reshuffling of the leagues above meant Raiders jumped up a division. It was a nice surprise, admitted Gormley. We worked hard to get promoted and we were so disappointed not to make it. But we got some luck and got up through the side door. We were over the moon about that. Going up into a new league, we will want to consolidate ourselves in the league, of course, but we aren't there to make up the numbers. We want to go up there and challenge the top sides. Gormley will be able, ably supported by new assistant manager Tyrone Henderson this season, after the former Littleton boss joined Six Ways in the summer. Henderson echoed, echoed the comments of the gaffer, insisting the club are confident they can mix it with the best in the league. We got the surprise promotion and we want to give it a go, he said. We don't want to be scrapping around at the bottom. We want to be pushing top six and giving it a good go. A club like this, with the facilities and the infrastructure, we need to be pushing on, and we will. I think with the players we have, we'll be up there. But what we want to build this season is the right group of players. We want a group that is about us, not about individuals. What we don't want is to chop and change throughout the season. We need to stick together and build that togetherness. We won't be coming back down, that's for sure, and we're all excited about it. Playing against good sides, it's an exciting time for the club. 
Following their league opener, Raiders will play their first ever game in the FA Cup on Saturday as they make the trip to Daventry Town in the extra preliminary round of the prestigious competition. The winner of that tie will play the winner of Worcester City versus Malvern Town, which takes place at the same time on Saturday afternoon. That'll be a bit of a um, pinch, won't it? Over to you, Catherine. And here's a wonderful piece of news. A golden moment, a dream come true. The preamble is Malvern's Evie Richards wins Commonwealth gold at Cannock Chase. Evie Richards won silver on the Gold Coast in 2018, but managed to make number one this time round in front of her home crowd at Cannock Chase. Malvern has a new Commonwealth Games champion. The 25-year-old cruised to victory by 41 seconds over Australia's Zoe Cuthbert, who came second, with South African Candice Lill taking the bronze. Having struggled this season with injuries and COVID just two weeks ago, Richard's preparations were less than ideal, but she took the lead within the opening lap and never looked back. She said, To be here with my family watching just means the world, and I couldn't imagine a more special moment having them here with me. I've had a terrible year. From being world champion last June, this year has been a shambles. I had a bad back in February, and this is the first race I've had this year with no pain and no tears. I've had everything from COVID to stomach bugs in Brazil. So just to put a race together, finish and be healthy means the world. I bet it does. Well done to her. I've got a cricket story for you now. Worcestershire have acquired a new batter, Adam Hose has been announced as Worcestershire's first signing for the 2023 season. The middle-order batter arrives from Warwickshire, putting pen to paper on a three-year contract until the end of 2025 season. Hose, 29, finished the 2022 Vitality Blast campaign as the third leading run scorer with 558 runs at an average of 55.70, striking at 160.97, with Worcestershire head coach Alex Gidman describing him as one of the best batters in white ball cricket. He has played 80 T20 matches and scored more than 2,000 runs altogether with a strike rate strike rate of 148.08, in addition to 30 List A and 19 first-class games. I'm looking forward to the new chapter in my career at Worcestershire, he said, and I'm delighted to sign for the next three years and hopefully beyond. I know the club has a great history and a future that looks really bright, and that excites me especially with a talented group of youngsters that the club continually produce. Worcestershire have had a lot of success in recent times in white ball cricket, and I want to play my part in repeating the Vitality Blast successes of 2018 and 2019. Ed Pollock was given his chance to play more red ball cricket after moving to Worcestershire from Warwickshire, and I'm hoping I can also earn that opportunity with my form and in training. Gidman added, it's an excellent signing for the club. Adam has turned himself into an exceptional cricketer. From a white ball perspective, he's become one of the best batters in the country. He's also very keen and eager to play more red ball cricket and prove to everyone how good he is. We're delighted that he wants to come and play for us. Outgoing Cricket Steering Group Chair Paul Pridgen said, Adam is a great capture for the club. He'll strengthen our batting, add a lot of power and really excite Worcestershire members and supporters. We're always looking to strengthen and bolster our squad and if the right players are available and Adam fits the bill. And this is another cricket story. 
Worcestershire will have a fourth representative in the 100 for the upcoming 2022 competition after young pace bowler Mitchell Stanley was signed by Manchester Originals. The 21-year-old joins Jack Haynes, Pat Brown and Mohamed Hasnain, all oval invincibles, in being called up for the tournament that starts next month. This summer, Stanley was handed his T20 debut by Worcestershire in the Vitality Blast and produced several promising performances. The Telford-born player took wickets in the power play, including Leicestershire's Foxes' Harry Swindles with his very first ball in the tournament at the Upton, Upton Steel County ground. His other scalps included Harry Brook, Yorkshire Vikings, Sam Hayne and Alex Davies, Birmingham Bears and Joe Clark, Knott's Outlaws. Stanley also had Joss Butler, Lancashire Lightning, dropped first ball in his first match after being appointed England's new white ball captain. Stanley ended with seven wickets from his five appearances. He said, Being selected for the blast was a great experience for me and I was grateful for Worcestershire to give me that opportunity and to gain so much experience. Now to have an opportunity in the 100 is brilliant and I can only benefit from playing alongside and against some more quality players. I can only use this as a learning curve for developing my game and hopefully myself and Worcestershire will reap the benefits. Thank you. Right, well, that concludes all the news uh, for this week. So we will move on to the thought for the week, which I think is back to you, Jane. It comes from Mark 5, verses 25 to 29 and 34. A woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years. She had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors and had spent all that she had. Yet instead of getting better, she grew worse. When she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak, because she thought, if I just touch his clothes, I will be healed. Immediately, her bleeding stopped, and she felt in her body that she was freed from suffering. Jesus said to her, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. Thank you. So birthdays this week, we only have one to celebrate, and that is Patricia Morris, uh, whose birthday is on the 14th of August. So wishing you a very happy birthday, Patricia. And of course, if there's anyone else who has a birthday um, during this time in August, do get in touch and we can add you to our list. Right. And last but not least, the sunrise and sunset times uh, for today, so that's Thursday, August the 4th, the sun rose at 5.34am and set at, or it will set, at 8.55pm. Starting to turn a little bit darker in the evenings, isn't it? Never mind, we're not going to dwell on that. Um, I think that's it for this week. Brings us to the end of the recording. I'd like to thank our readers today. So that's Catherine. Goodbye. And Phil. Goodbye. And Jane. Goodbye. And a big thank you to the production team, to John on the other side of the glass and Carol for doing all the admin so wonderfully. And that leaves me to say I wish you a good week ahead and goodbye. 
Lorna Christine Dennehy died on the 19th of July. The funeral service will be at Worcester Crematorium on Tuesday the 9th of August at 10am. Family flowers only please, but donations if desired for asthma and lung UK may be left on the collection plate at the crematorium or sent to EJ Gummery and Son, 68-70 Ombersley Road, Worcester, WR37EU. Elena Petter, née Fortunato, died on the 22nd of July 2022. A requiem mass will be held at Holy Redeemer Church, Pershaw, on Thursday, August the 11th at 11am, followed by interment. Donations are invited for Dementia UK and these may be sent to E. Hill and Son Funeral Directors, Pershaw, WR10, 1HZ. J. Popplewell died on the 13th of July. A private service will take place at the Vale Crematorium. A service of thanksgiving will be held at St. Leonard's Church, Cotheridge, on Wednesday, the 10th of August at 2.30 pm. No flowers by request, please, but don- donations if desired for the British Red Cross or St. Leonard's Church may be left on the collection plate at the church or sent to E.J. Gummery and Son, 68-70, Ombersley Road, Worcester, WR37EU. Barry Morgan Jewell passed away on mm. the 22nd of July. The funeral service and cremation have already taken place at Worcester Crematorium on Friday the 5th of August, Um, but I'm guessing that there may still be the opportunity to make donations. So if desired to Cancer Research UK or sent to R.L. Rear, that's R.E.A. Funeral Directors Limited, 17 Rock Hill, Bromsgrove, B617LL, telephone 01527 831723. Colin Roy Postle passed away on the 16th of July. The funeral service to celebrate his life was held at Worcester Crematorium on Thursday the 4th of August. Any inquiries to Hoskins Funerals Worcester on 01905 27862. Carol Muriel Doreen Morris passed away on the 8th of July. Her funeral will take place at St Barnabas Church Worcester on Monday the 15th of August at 12 noon, followed by burial at Astwood Cemetery at 1pm. Flowers will be welcome if you wish to send them. Charitable donations, if desired, can be made to UNICEF, a spearheading partner of the Global Polio Eradication Initiative, and a plate for donations will be in the church if you wish to use it. All inquiries to AV Band Funeral Directors. Telephone 01905 22892. Ronald Robert Morris passed away on the 13th of July. The funeral service will take place on Wednesday the 10th of August at Worcester Crematorium at 11.30am. All other inquiries to be sent to AV Band Funeral Directors, 41 Nicholas Street, WR1 1UW, and that phone number again, 01905 22892. Wilmot Margaret of Tolodyne passed away peacefully on the 18th of July 2022, aged 80 years. Funeral service at Worcester Crematorium on Thursday the 11th of August at 2.30pm. 
Family flowers only, please, but donations, if desired, for Midlands Air Ambulance may be left on the collection plate at the crematorium or sent to E. J. Gummery and Son, 68 to 70, Ombersley Road, Worcester, WR3 7EU. Alan, Dr. Patricia Anne, passed away at Royal Hospital, Worcestershire on 9th of July 2022, aged 71 years. The funeral service would take place at Worcester Crematorium on Tuesday the 16th of August 2022 at 3.15pm. There will be a wake from 16.30 at a local hostelry. Family flowers only, however, donations, if desired, can be made to Cancer Research UK. All inquiries to AV Band Funeral Directors 01905 22892. Burnstone Val peacefully passed away on the 8th of July, aged 86 years. Funeral service on Tuesday, the 9th of August, at Worcester Crematorium at 2.30pm. Fletcher Elizabeth Passed away peacefully at Worcester Royal Hospital on Friday the 22nd of July 2022, aged 90 years. Funeral service to take place at on Wednesday the 24th of August at 2022 at the Vale Crematorium at 2pm, followed by the committal. Elizabeth would like donations to her favourite charity, the Dogs Trust. She has also requested for mourners to wear colourful clothes, please. Inquiries to AV Band Funeral Directors, 01905 Dr Carl Ellison passed away suddenly on the 16th of July. There'll be a private funeral for family and close friends on the 10th of August at 11 o'clock at the Vale Crematorium, Fladbury. Flowers are welcome and can be sent to George Crumpen's son, Droitwich. A memorial service will be held later in the year when the wider community can come together to celebrate Carl's life and his achievements. Roger John Gay, Director of Music for Droitwich Spa. Sadly, Roger passed away on Saturday the 16th of July at Brindley Manor Nursing Home, aged 81. His funeral will take place on Wednesday the 17th of August at 1pm at St Andrew's Church, Droitwich. Please wear bright colours and donations can be made to the Cathedral Music Trust in his memory. Family flowers only. Ross McFarlane of Worcester, formerly of Toward Argyle, sadly passed away after a short illness, surrounded by his loving family on 24th of July, aged 49 years. Funeral service at Worcester Crematorium on Thursday the 18th of August at 12.15pm. Family flowers only, please, but donations if desired for St Richard's Hospice or Pancreatic Cancer UK may be left on the collection plate at the crematorium or sent to E.J. Gummery & Son, 6870 Ombersley Road, Worcester, WR3 7EU.